It's different for black boys, harder for black girls Start your own business venture, thrive in a black world Where you and your homies don't gotta worry about getting fired and facing discrimination We are creators, we don't go begging for placement where we are not wanted And I'ma keep it a hundred youngin', we used to be hunted They had us sitting in zoos, so what you see in the news Is really nothing that's new, they really targeting you You hear me talking to you? Race and Rosé is brought to you by your hosts, Deja Staten and Christina Alford. Hello. This podcast was created as a way to address the many racial issues that this country, and specifically BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, and people of color, living in this country have been carrying, confronting, living through, basically from the beginning of our history. Which we would like to mark our history is from before uh, the United States was was founded with, you know, the indigenous inhabitants who were here long before and were genocided by the predecessors to the U.S. government. So we will be covering history, current events, systemic issues that are affecting all of us. Today. Today. (laughs) So why Rosé, Pristina? Rosé, because, well, for all of you who know us, we always have a glass or a bottle or ten. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's a lot. That's a lot. But not a lie. But not no. Close in hand. um, And honestly, it's, you know, we'll be covering a lot of heavy issues. These conversations are not easy at all. And it's just a little bit more digestible with a glass of rosé in hand. That it is. So welcome. Welcome to Race and Rosé, brought to you by your hosts, Deidre Staten and Pristina Alford. Hey there. So before we kick off, we are going to give a little background to your hosts. That we are, because mm-hmm. I'm sure you just want to know all the things about All us. the things. We're Let's so just level set for two seconds. So Deidre, why is this important to you? Oh God, why is this not important to me? <laughs> so I feel like, and I know we're going to get into this, but like, I feel like I'm, I'm biracial. I identify as black and as, you know, a light skinned black woman who grew up um, in a certain place in time, my race has kind of like always been an issue personally. And then also just, you know, the country <laughs> we live in, the country we've grown up in, our race has always been put an issue for us. Um, we've been battling since uh, we were old enough to remember, um, you know, all sorts of racial constructs and, um, history and whatever. And just, it's super important to talk about it. You know, we have a really bad history in this country of not talking about it. So I mean, that's a short, sweet way of saying why this is important to me. So where are you from? Oh gosh. A lot of places. (laughs) I was born in Wisconsin. Shout outs to Madison uh, and I lived there for a very short period of time. Um, and I mostly grew up, um, in Pennsylvania, PA all day, uh, outside of Philly in a little town. It's not little, it's like 10,000 people, but a town called Pottstown, um, which, you know, I lived there until I was 18. I moved there on my third birthday. Um, and that was really formative in how I viewed a lot of things. It had a really like Mixed population, like, um, you know, a lot of black people, a lot of white people, a lot of Puerto Ricans specifically, um, a lot of Italian Americans who like definitely identify themselves as separate from white. It's just like an interesting place to grow up. And by interesting, I mean both like 
like the good part of interesting and like the terrifying part of interesting. Um, like, you know what? I'm going to just call someone out in this first episode. Like, shout out to the Martins across the street from me who thought it was a good idea to fly a Confederate fucking flag the second my black dad moved out of the neighborhood. But yeah, Pottstown. Wow. Yeah, right? Um, Pencil Tucky in the house. <laughs> and yeah, that's where I grew up. Where'd you grow up? All right. So I grew up in Tacoma, Washington. Um, it's right outside of Seattle, about 30 minutes out. Um, it, I grew up in a very middle-class white neighborhood. Um, my parents worked really hard to put me through private Catholic school, which was really interesting. Did you like Catholic school, Christina? <laughs> <laughs> was that a good time for you? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just like remembering all the things my mom said about her like Catholic school upbringing. <laughs> That's why I'm asking. Yo, literally, I remember like my elementary memories. It's it was myself, Jeffrey, the other black kid, <laughs> <laughs> the and one other black. Kid. It was oh it God. was Jeffrey. It was Nicholas, who was another Filipino kid, and then it was me. <laughs> and I just remember us. It was just us. And I remember, and I didn't know this, but my parents told me this when I was older, but so my first grade teacher wanted to hold back <laughs> all three of you. Yes. <laughs> it's not it's funny. funny. It's, it's just really, not funny. It's, it's not, so fucked up it's that it's hilarious. Funny. That's some fucked up shit. And my dad was like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, shout, shouts out to big man Alford for, for holding it down. Bart for, was not, yeah. he was not having it. Wow. Yeah. It was bad. It was bad. It was really, really bad. So okay. it was basically us three throughout my elementary. That's really messed up. It was so messed up. Um, yeah. Went to, you know, private Catholic school in high school. Same thing. Like you, you could count the minority kids um, in my high school. And, you know, my girl group there, <laughs> all the minorities. Wait, like a girl group, like the Spice Girls. The <laughs> girl group. Yes. What are, we, what are we talking about here? Yes, okay. you know, and then, um, yeah, I moved to the East Coast. Okay, so I feel like we kind of, like, j- we jumped the gun a little bit, but, so, like, how do you specifically identify? Like, what's your so, I identify Asian? as black and Asian, uh, multiracial. Um, my mom is from the Philippines. She immigrated to the U.S. in the 1970s, and my dad is half black half Japanese. He was born in Japan. Uh, my grandpa was from Georgia and he basically married my Obachan in Japan. And my dad grew, was born and raised in Japan, bounced around the entire globe. He, military brat. Military brat, yeah. for sure. And then um, both my parents landed eventually in Tacoma, Washington, where I'm from. Okay. Yeah. So how would like, what, if, if I made you put a label on your racial identification, what would you call it? Black and Asian. Black and Asian. Do you identify as like biracial, multiracial? Multiracial. Multiracial. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I identify as biracial, but I identify as black biracial specifically. Um, I've always identified with blackness more than, than whiteness for like a lot of reasons, which we will get into in a later episode and multiple episodes. Um, but I think that's part of, you know, what we have in common. And I think it's important, um, when highlighting the fact that like we are both part either white or, um, a race that is 
a majority race or less mm-hmm. of a minority, um, the privilege, right? So like light skin privilege, socioeconomic privilege. I mean, we weren't raised rich, but we definitely were not raised um, on the lowest socioeconomic rungs. And, you know, you just talked about going to Catholic school. Like we had educational privilege. We both went to university. Right? But even with all of that, we're still black or still <laughs> because one drop <laughs> <laughs> still look a little different <laughs> yeah right i mean you can't see us right now but i have like a i have a lot of hair it's a big fro um yeah i mean the united states gave us this great gift of racial hierarchy mm. uh, or caste as isabel wilkerson likes a little bit to of say colorism you know a whole bunch still, of things just, just a little bit a little, little, little layer cake of racist bullshit mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know uh, i think it's important that we highlight both how we identify racially how we've been identified racially by other people and right. um you know the the privilege and the disadvantage and you know all the things that flow from it the whole the whole story is is relevant right um, so where did you go to school, Deja? Uh, where did I go to school? I just turned 35. So like my brain's not <laughs> firing all cylinders right now. I, okay. So I grew up in Pennsylvania. Like I said, outside of Philly, I, I moved to LA, which is where we're, we're podcasting, filming, whatever this is called from, um, when I was 18 to go to USC, University of Southern California fight on. Um, and I stayed, uh, to go to law school at UCLA, Uh, So I'm an attorney. I don't practice because that's terrifying and I already have anxiety. (laughs) Um, I studied in undergrad. I studied international relations, global business, which was like one huge major, and philosophy of law. Went and studied um, abroad in South Africa for a while, which was really formative for me with respect to the way I I look at race. And I will deep dive into that big time later. Um, And then I studied critical race studies in law school, which UCLA has the only full program in critical race studies that I am aware of. Um, and it really changed the way I both looked at myself and looked at race globally and um, nationally in, in the United States. So that's that's my education background. What about you? So she is an expert, folks. Sure. Just a little bit. Just a little <laughs> bit. Just a little bit. But yeah, sure. I know some things about some things. Mm, a lot of things. A lot of a lot. All righty. Um, where did you go to school? What's the... So after Tacoma, born and raised, I moved to the other coast. Um, I moved to New York. I stayed out there for over 15 years. Oh, my God. How old are you, Christina? Just kidding. Don't answer that. Don't ask me those questions, Deirdre, please. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Continue. Um, Moved to New York. I attended St. John's University in Queens. Shout out to the Red Storm. Um, played soccer for them for all four years. Loved she it. Is an athlete, my friends. <laughs> like I went on a, a hike with Homie the other day, and <laughs> I couldn't see her anymore after ten minutes. <laughs> she was up the freaking mountain. It's like Christina. Where where are you? Help, please. I'm just Come know, back. trying to get it in. It's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trying to get it in. She's an athlete. I'm serious. So played for the Red Storm. Worked a few years in the city. I did not move back to Tacoma. Um, and I then went back to school, 
to NYU, got my master's in corporate comm, and I have been working in PR for many, 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 many years. Which, multiple things here, I did not know until like very recently that you <laughs> had a master's or that you like got a master's <laughs> at NYU. Not know this. I don't know, because we drink wine. We don't like talk about our educational credentials. I guess that's not. Until we decide to make a podcast. <laughs> and <laughs> it's like not a thing. But also, okay, so you work in PR, like, I've asked you this before. I always forget. What is PR? What are the P and the R in? You know it, My parents don't know what I do. I try to tell them all the time for years and years and years, and they still they're like, "Oh, that's great." So, honey, how would great. you, if I were Bart and Irene, mm-hmm. how Shout would you, how would you explain what you do to them? All right. So, them. PR, public relations. So, I basically work with global brands as well as a few celebrities to kind of put them on the map. Um, whether it's TV, online, broadcasts, we build brands, we do thought leadership, thought or basically, leadership. Ooh, yeah, thought leadership, buzzwords. right, thought leadership, sponsorships, partnerships, all that good stuff. We basically just make your likeness known oh, to the I world. Want, I want my likeness to be known. Will you be my PR person? 100%. What is, is the PR person a publicist? Yes. Okay. I'm a publicist. She's a publicist. Okay, cool. Correct. That's cool. Yes. Which is like very different from what I do. <laughs> so I um, I worked for UCLA where I went to law school for quite a while for like seven-ish years. There was like some other stuff I did um, in there. But I did international recruitment and outreach. I did bar exam support, student services, all sorts of stuff for law students, for international law students specifically. And I was out of the country for like three or four months a year until COVID happened. Thank you, COVID, for gracing us with your glory. It's been real. We really, really, we really like it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And then I, you know, this summer happened because 2020, the trashest year of them all, Mm -hmm. um, decided to to come along and really put a spotlight on the the shit that was simmering under the super racist surface of the United States for eons. Um, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> I've studied this, this stuff and there's like all these people out here talking about this stuff. And by this stuff, I mean like, I don't know, race, identity, the legal aspects of it, et cetera. Why don't I start doing what people already asked me to do, which is consulting um, and talking about race, talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, diversity, anti-racism, inclusion, however you want to call it. So I started my own DAI. Consultancy. Yeah, consulting firm. So that's what I do. But we've kind of like joined teams like both in this and like the work world a little bit. Indeed. Yeah. So so that's that's what we do. And I think it's interesting. This, this kind of started in a similar way. We have a mutual friend who I went to college with um, who introduced us. And because of that and because we, I think kind of similarly racially identify and we have like a common um, background in soccer. We both played soccer super competitively. Pristina is still an athlete. I'm a washed up <laughs> athlete. I'm like the ghost of athletes past. <laughs> <To me. laughs> it's okay. I'm going to own it. Oh I'm going to own it. I'm going to own it. It's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. But yes, let's, let's talk about soccer for a little bit. Oh, let's, what about it? Pristina. Us talk about what position soccer. did you play? I played outside defender. Well, actually, when I was when I was younger, I played midfield, and I was like, "Ooh, that's a lot of running." <laughs> what outside defender is a lot of running too? But it is, but not like midfield. Okay, yeah, and I played mostly striker or forward, but also center mid mm-hmm. quite a bit. That's a lot of running too. A lot of running. I don't like to run. 
I don't mind it if you trick me into doing it. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh-huh. don't tell me to run. No, I will I like running. My oppositional defiant ass will be like, run where? Absolutely not. But you if you throw the, a ball into the air. You run into the I'm not running. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So we both, you know, and the thing about soccer, I think we both had this really interesting experience that I think a lot of people of color in the United States have with soccer. A lot of girls of color. Um, I can't speak on the male soccer experience. Um, it's very white. Yeah. There are certain sports within, you know, America, that's very, very white. And uh, soccer is one of them. Very white. It's expensive. It's privileged. You know, it cuts out a lot of minorities out of the actual picture. Which is wild because worldwide, like, soccer is a brown sport. It's the (laughs) the brownest worldly sport ever. Yeah. Um, But in the United States, uh, you know, you have to pay thousands of dollars a season if you want to play on, like, a good club team, if you want to play on the Olympic development team, if you want to get scouted. When you're a child, like, when you're a child, this starts off. How old old were you when you started playing? I started probably when I was maybe seven-ish. Yeah, and I think I was, like, four or five. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. and right away. It's a thing. that money, son. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you just went extra East Coast with that son. Uh, yeah, <laughs> get that money, son. And both of us are out here just living our best professional money, athlete lives. Not, um, yeah, but it's a, it's just a super white sport. Like I never had any people of color, period. Yeah. Um, let alone black on my team until I played club soccer at USC. I had two black coaches, which I feel very lucky now. Looking back, I didn't realize it at the time, um, right. but feel very lucky now to have had. They like took me under their wing, and they definitely paid me special attention. I think because they knew. Yeah. What I was up against. They knew that I was getting called racial epithets literally on the soccer field. Um, and, you know, I think your experience is slightly different, but pretty similar. Slightly. I had one other black girl on my team. She was black and I believe Middle Eastern. So we kind of grew up together playing on the same team throughout club. Just commiserating about like all the racist shit white girls would say to you on the soccer field. Correct. Yeah. Yes. I yes. got called fat a lot. <laughs> what? I did. I, and I think it, it's funny. Like, I don't think like on the outside, it's like a racial thing, but I was just like bigger, Big. like I'm muscular. Right. Oh and my, so I think because I wasn't oh like a gosh. skinny you know white what, girl. I, people would always say tree trunk legs. See, they're thunder thighs. Yes, exactly. Just, and now that I'm an adult, you could never. never. Yeah. Tree trunk. You wish you had these tree trunks. <sighs> Yeah. Anyways, oh continue. <laughs> I think we had pretty uh, that, similar. Like, still stuff. haunts me. Oh yeah. Honestly, I have to. Yeah, and I have to say this. So it's funny. I'm like in this book club <laughs> with my brother, um, and we we talked about this tonight. I didn't bring this up, but my brother went to a different high school than me. He went to where my mom teaches. Super white, super wealthy, but still public yeah. high school. And I've been called the N word. I will spare you for the for the sake of all of the children listening. Not, um, but. One of the most um, impactful times that I remember, I was playing soccer against my mom's high school soccer team, and a girl who I found out later was from her homeroom called me the N-word in the middle of the field. And I just started laughing because I I was like, are you, is this a real thing? Mm -hmm. This is what we're doing? Um, It was just, you know, like, and it was a common thing to, to have racial slurs thrown at me at least by yeah. other mostly white soccer players um, yeah. because like black girls brown girls weren't on the field yeah yeah for sure <sighs> america's great i love america it it's my favorite um, place i mean when i went to college well, first of all st john's is in the middle of queen <laughs> so when i got to queens it was a completely different which queens is like pretty racially 
ethnically, oh, it's, culturally. Mixed, oh, my right? goodness. It is. Socioeconomically, yeah. All across the board. Yeah. It was amazing. I love St. John's. Um, but even on my soccer team, it was myself and actually the girl who I grew up with, her little sister played on my soccer team. She was a so few, few years younger than me. Um, but it was basically just us. Yeah. That was it. And I mean, I mean, how many other minority girls were on these teams? Not, I mean, like I said, until I got to college to USC and was on the club team, which was very mixed, but that was because yeah. like LA club team at USC. I would say that team was like a third, yeah. like Asian, black, yeah. otherwise brown or like not, I'm air quoting white, yeah. but that was an aberration. That was not normal. Yeah. And even growing up, so my soccer teammate friends were so much different than my personal friends or in college, my friends outside of soccer were just completely different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, so. I think, yeah, the, the point we're making here is like, this was a really formative part of our experience. Yeah. I think a lot of little girls or young people, period, um, regardless of gender or sex, play soccer, play sports that are very white, very wealthy. You know, cleats cost $250 a pop, yeah. even back in the early 2000s. It's thousands of dollars a season to play for club teams. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's very white, very limiting, um, very, yeah, I don't know, racist. Ugh, That's yeah. a thing. So racist. Yeah. Okay. Or just, yeah, classist a little bit, but. Yeah, yes, both, both. which they commonly come together. Right. Yeah, so. That's a major thing. So there's that. There's also rosé. <laughs> oh, let's get into that. My favorite. That's, Our favorite. Yeah, we drink a lot of rosé. We drink a lot of rosé. It's so, been an ever-present force in our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> May the force be with you. <laughs> May the rosé be with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, that's the other thing. And, like, you know, the why rosé? Why rosé, Christina? This is how we identify. We always have. <laughs> we identify as black and rosé. Black and rosé, <laughs> if you didn't know. And now you'll know. Uh, well. No, but, you know, even just with our friends, with us, we always have rosé. Lots of rosé. Lots of rosé. Bottles, glasses, it's always readily available. And just, hand. like, wine, generally. I mean, I joke with my friends. So, like, Christina and I were both, like, on a, she was moderating a panel that I was on this past summer, so like 2020, mm-hmm. um, when was that, like June? Yeah. COVID uh, time. Like, I COVID. don't know. Was that 10 years ago? Like, it sure. was post-George Floyd. It was and... post-George Floyd, but it was pre-now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really awful. But like the night before, or I should oh. say the morning before, I'm known amongst my friends for like, there's always wine and I'm probably going to die under a pile of wine. She has an entire, like, I don't even know what. I have like pile. a cubby corner in it's my a, house. It's a wine fortress. And I want to say that a good... 50, 60% of it is rosé. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, and also, you know, we live in LA, so there's earthquakes somewhat frequently. And of course, like there was an earthquake during, there were two earthquakes maybe during COVID that like we could feel. One was kind of bad. Yeah. And that was, was the one that was the scary. night before this panel. Yeah. And I like shot up oh, out of bed right. You're right. when it right, happened. Right. It's the scariest earthquake I've ever felt because it was literally, I live in North Hollywood, which is like on a fault line, like where my house is. And it was that the earthquake originated from that fault line. And so the earthquake happens and it felt like it was literally under my bed. Yeah. Like the earth was opening was, under my bed. It was like a rolling one. It was one. insane. And it was so funny. I like woke up, shot up out of bed, was terrified for like a minute, like solid 60 seconds. And then my first move was towards that wine. To go to the wine fortress. <laughs> and every earthquake that's ever <laughs> happened when I've been at home, I've sprinted for my wine. And some of it's up high, like on this shelf yeah. that is strapped to the wall. Save the wine, yo. Save the wine. Team wine save. So, 
<laughs> it's like a big part of my identity. I'm not no, going to No, but it's lie. a lot of wine. I really... No, I get it. I don't know how else I'm supposed to deal. If, how can we deal? There's a lot. And These conversations are hard. They're and difficult. that's the why, right? Like, it, like this yes. shit is more digestible with rosé. With rosé. That's how we get through... That's how we wade through the, the racism. Uh, yes. It's like my cape. My cape is rosé. There's mm-hmm. a big R on it <laughs> that stands for both... Racism <laughs> and rosé, <laughs> and that is how. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about how the actual origin origin story of the podcast of the podcast, the whole yeah. movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh, go ahead. we, so the weekend after the whole George Floyd incident. Okay, wait. Um, let's not call it an incident. Let's talk about how George killing. Floyd was murdered. It was a killing by a cop who knew him. <laughs> Yeah, I know. They yeah. were security together. Yeah. A cop who put wild. his knee on his neck for almost nine minutes while he screamed for his mother over a fraudulent check. Yes. So no, that, it was like a $20 bill or something. Like oh, that. yeah, yeah. You're like right. the bodega. Yeah, it was a $20 bill. Uh, uh, like a f- he died over a $20 bill. Well, no, he died over f- racism. racism. But yes. Yes. Yeah. So after that happened. So after that, we live in a huge city and we live in LA and you know, we ha- there were a lot of LA riots. So what do we do? Yes. We are out here. Okay, but I'm going to I'm going to protest. We we yes, we were on the front lines protesting. Yeah, with a bunch of our friends. Um and it was and wild. That that, sh- that was intense. There was ash in my hair. There was ash. people were lighting cop cars on fire. <laughs> cop cars on fire. It was a lot. And it was a lot. Cop fire. It was the first time we saw what was that truck with the cops on it? Oh, it was like um a military truck. It was an Army National Guard, I think, but it okay. wasn't um so like there was Army National Guard all over LA. Like all of the street corners. Mm-hmm. There was like, you know, military like camoed. You know that that sand colored and, and green. They yeah. had everything. Out it was there. all over. Um, but as we were leaving the protest, we were there for probably two hours mm-hmm. or so. And as we were leaving, we legit almost got ran over in like a quiet side street um, in the Fairfax district, which is where the protests were happening. Which, for those of you who don't know, LA is like a, a really, main street. Yeah, and and it's like a really <laughs> old part of the city where there's like some really expensive apartments and houses. It's um, it's just it's one of the oldest arteries of the city. It's like a family neighborhood, and it's blocks away from a lot of like boutique stores. And you know, yeah, the and heart like of LA. the Grove, yeah. and you know, the Beverly Center, whatever. So we weren't even thinking; we're just like walking back to our cars, like whatever. We like can't hear the protest or like see the smoke anymore, and we almost got run over. I lie to you not by like an armored blackish gray vehicle that had maybe twenty soldiers hanging off the sides, hanging of it. out of the doors, out of just. I don't even know. Literally how. off the sides of it. With their guns. With their guns. A dude kicked over like a slow street sign <laughs> that was up that was like, drive slow through our neighborhood. He literally kicked that shit. And sped off. Yeah. And just stared me in the, the, the whites of my eyeballs. <laughs> um, and I've never seen anything like that other than when I've been in like Latin American or South American countries. And mm-hmm. I don't mean this at all in like, a, this only happens in other countries since, but like that's literally the only place I've ever seen that before yeah. is specifically like in Mexico City or like yeah. Cancun, I think, yeah. where the federal police Right. Maybe like Brazil, where the federal police are like ever present because yes. that's just how they do stuff there. Full gear. <clears throat> it was terrifying. Guns and hanging out of a truck. And I also yelled at them, but like whatever. <laughs> um, 
So that was wild. And then we went back to Pristina lives in like a high rise um, that has like a rooftop space. And it's one one of the only places that like our like smallish group of friends can hang out during, Mm -hmm. during COVID and be somewhat safe. Um, And so we went up there and we had like some wine and whatever. And we watched. Yeah. Except we weren't decompressing because it was just like plumes of smoke and like 30 helicopters. Helicopters. Mad helicopters. It was nutty. Yeah. It was nutty. So we're just talking, you know, trying to die just digest everything and there was a group of people that and and first of all so our group of friends we hang out on my roof all the time right and we see other people there's very specific groups of people that hang out and it's cool whatever we like keep our space though yeah we keep to ourselves we don't also a pandemic right and also we don't like people correct just kidding. Nope. No, nope. No, I'm not. I'm no, not, not, I'm not kidding. Not kidding. <laughs> so, anyways, there's a group of people that we we see. A group of yes, white people that we see all the time, and you know, they just they picked that day, that day, that time when we were up there after protesting, after going through all this traumatic, this traumatic, heavy experience. Which, mind you, pause. I literally had to pull a hammer out of some bitch's hand during that protest. I know you did. There was some woman who, she looked white to me. She claimed she was indigenous. It honestly doesn't matter who had a hammer in her hand and was trying to break open storefronts. And a black man was trying to stop her. Yes. And I had to stop him from trying to stop her because I was like, if a cop sees you doing that, we all know what's going to happen. Exactly. And I was like, yeah, traumatic. Also, there was this white boy who took an entire, like, one of those big industrial garbage. Oh, my God. Yeah. Garbage bin. Not bins, but a... Fr- a dumpster. A dumpster. And was... Like a metal dumpster. Yes, and was... <laughs> I don't even know what he was doing. And who stopped him? All the black people. We are not here for this. Well, and, like, you know what? Let me say right now, like, Christina at the beginning of this called this, like, called the protest riots. Like, I think they're a protest. It, honestly, whatever. If black people want to riot after hundreds of years of subordination and oppression killings riot like i'm not saying like we should be burning stuff down i'm not saying we should be hurting people but like there is a very significant and valid reason why black people are angry um and i just think that's important to point out like this is not like oh we're just pissed off and we're gonna burn some shit today and you know what like i'm gonna take a hammer and i'm gonna hit this window people are dying like You know, getting into a car as a person of color in certain cities is mm-hmm. dangerous. Yes. Going to the grocery store late at night in certain cities, if you're a woman or a man of color, is dangerous. It's just, you know, this is coming from a real place of fear. It's an existential threat to be black or brown yeah. Yeah. in this country. Um, and so when people get upset that people are rioting or breaking things or burning stuff down, need I remind you that we black are people targets. are... Yeah, and we are targets. We're slaves mm-hmm. from 1619 to 1865. Mm-hmm. So honestly, like, psh, psh, just be quiet. Mm-hmm. We're done. Listen and learn, please. Thank you. Continue. Continue. <laughs> so, anyways, so we're on my roof, and that day was the day that they all just wanted to come over and have a conversation and be just real chummy. They wanted some some pats on the back. Pats on the back. Well, you know, I had a I had a black friend in college. You know, I had I, a black girlfriend I had one a time. Black girlfriend, and you know, all this stuff is just going to blow over. I and don't like see a week. color, right? 
It was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> like this, this is the day you're going to, this is the day. And I think it's important to point out like why we're saying this. It's like, this is the day that you are going to decide to unload your, your racial anxiety on right. a whole bunch of brown people who you don't realize are having their own anxiety on top of the anxiety they already experienced because the city's on fire and we can literally see it. And we were just out there. And the city's on fire because black and brown people are being killed. Yes. So that's a thing. So yeah. that happened. Mm-hmm. So that was great. That was really cool. And that's a big part of where this came from. Like mm-hmm. I was already, you know, thinking about like doing a podcast. I was definitely thinking about drinking. Um, and <laughs> we stay thirsty, my friends. We stay very thirsty. Um, thirsty. And, you know, Pristina probably, like, you know, I don't think it was that night, but maybe like the next day or a couple of days later, you know, we were talking, she came over and we were like, let's just like do, do this thing. And mm-hmm. this is, that's where it came from. This is, this is it. Race and Rose is the, the, the baby of bullshit racism. And a lot of built up feelings. And a moderate drinking problem. So. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You can admit it later. It's fine. Um, yeah. So with that, um, I think like, let's tell you a little bit about our vibe, right? Like what, sure. what, yeah. what, what are we talking about here? So I'm a nerdy bitch. And <laughs> Daedra. It's going to be called Daedra factoids. Yeah. Um, I There's like gonna be a lot of factoids. I like history and I like random things. Random, she knows facts. random facts about things. I like facts lo- about facts. She knows a lot of shit. Yeah, my facts are a lot of shit. Um, That and Christina, what's your what's your what's your thing? So I work in the marketing PR fields, and I work with a lot of different brands, a lot of different people that work with the culture. (laughs) You can see her face right now. (laughs) Oh my goodness, it's very interesting navigating. Air quotes. Interesting. 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 You know how we deal with brands how brands want to reach certain audiences how brands AKA, deal with you sometimes too yes how brands deal with me mm-hmm. um so there's just man especially this this over this past year it's it's been interesting we helping try. clients navigate difficult conversations about race while um, we're having difficult feelings about race black lives matter <laughs> yeah. it's it's just been a lot so it's it's i think it's really important to have these conversations um amongst all of us just to you know progress from where you know geez even from just last year it's it's really important to have these conversations just to you know progress our communities black and brown communities and just and also just to create allies as well and i think also like so the the past year has been bullshit and hard but i think also the past four years have been bullshit and hard and like Mm -hmm. i don't really care what your political affiliations are because i just have no more time to think about it Mm -hmm. but i will say i think we have dug ourselves a much bigger hole than we were already in racially speaking um you know the the past administration um has made it okay for people to be unabashedly racist again. Um, I'm honestly grateful for it. I'm glad that the racism is out of hiding. Yeah. Like some people it want the racist to go back in their everybody's hiding Everybody's racism. Yeah. No, I'm like, stay <laughs> out. Like I was tired of playing oh, racist whack-a-mole. Okay. Um, so like, welcome, welcome racists. Mm-hmm. You're definitely part of America. This is America. You've this shown is, yourself. You've shown yourself. This is your home. Mm-hmm. You're very comfortable here. So I'm glad we're all out here now having this conversation. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think progressing, you know, the cause of BIPOC people generally, but also like, let's talk about what just happened. Right. So like, that's part of what we're going to be getting at is like, 
the politics behind some of these things and like the what happened and where did this come from? And like, what are the through lines, right? Like what connects, what's the connective tissue between all of these different things. And, you know, to that end, some of the things we're going to, we're going to talk about are black lives matter, um, you know, from the beginning, from 2013 to the, the recent resurgence, um, following the deaths of Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, um, you know, and the list unfortunately goes on and on and on and on. Um, and all those who don't even get that media attention. Yeah. We're gonna, yeah. Um, like black women, trans black women, intersectionality good yeah we're gonna talk about um what we're calling old timers like our parents parents. specifically our dads um and their experiences with race and military and a lot of other things we have like military connections and yes and and also it's kind of our perspective our unique perspective is again intersectionality right yeah so yes we're both biracial multiracial and there's not that much being talked about from our perspective. So yes, we acknowledge our privilege again. But you know what? I'm just going to say this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say this thing right now. Go ahead. So there's a thing that happens. There's colorism, which we're going to spend a whole bunch of time talking about. Mm-hmm. Right? There's like this really screwed up shit that happens where people in multiple racial groups, like black, Asian, et cetera, um, are Eth- like ethnicity, like it are happens. treated worse if they're yeah. darker. Right. There's also a thing that happens where people who are bi or multiracial or lighter skinned are treated as though they are not valid members of either group, group. Right. It, so like yeah. you're, you're, you're straddling, you're in this like interstitial no man's land. Right. Um, and it's messed up. You don't have a home base. No, you're getting the racism for being black. You're getting ostracized for being a fake Filipino, right? Oh, oh I bad. had a cable guy come to my apartment in Queens and ask me what I was. What? Are, but what? What are you? She's staring at me like she wants to strangle me right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he said, "Oh yeah, I knew you were a fake." Wow. And I've got, you know, it's like, yeah. So I think that's a thing we need to mark because we're definitely going to talk about that. Like, I'm not going to tiptoe around it. We're going to go there. Um, You know, like, I feel like my experience, yes, is marked by the privilege of having a white mother who um, my proximity to her, like my literal physical proximity to her has gotten me in spaces I would not have otherwise gotten into. But I am black. Mm -hmm. Um, And don't you forget that because the United States sure as hell has not. Uh, so, you know, there's going to be some of that. We're going to talk about beauty standards. We're going to talk about racial preference in dating. Sweet Jesus. Um, cultural appropriation. Yes. We're going to talk about standpoint theory, which do mark that in your calendars because it's mind blowing and fascinating. All the things we're going to talk about all the things. So all we are so, so excited to excited and terrified, honestly, because the shit's heavy. Yeah. Um, but to, to talk to you about the shit and to talk to you about it from our perspective. Yes. Um, and we're open to, you know, feedback. Deidre's not. Christina is open to your feedback. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really care what you have to say. I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Tell me, but t- tell me, but be ready. <laughs> uh, yeah. Welcome to Christina's cackling. <laughs> this is going to be a common theme throughout the podcast. You might want to turn Why your volume down. Christina cackling. Yeah. Who knows? We never know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we have a lot of heavy stuff we want to talk to you about. We have, you know, we think a unique perspective to talk to you For about sure. it from, and we're excited. We're excited. 
Welcome. We're Welcome amped. We're hyped. to Race and Rosé. Welcome. Yeah. Grab a glass, please. Or double fist please. if you want. Or just grab a straw like I like to do and stick it in the bottle. Or take it to the head. <laughs> take it to the head. <laughs> just kidding. Don't. Also, if you have an addiction or an issue with alcohol, I am sorry. Mm. Right now, this is not. It's a no judgment. It's a no judgment zone, but this also probably is not the supportive space that you need. Like, I'm, I'm serious. I'm <laughs> b- dead up right now. This is not. This is going to be triggering. Okay. Oh, but you know what we didn't talk about? What? what we're drinking today. I'm not sure what we're drinking today because we're on our third bottle. Okay, so just to give you guys a heads up, every episode we will be drinking a new rosé of sponsor the day. Us, sponsor us, sponsor us. Oh, hey, sponsors. Sponsors. Um, yeah. So, so today we are drinking Daedra. Coran. Not like the religious text, which is also great. Um, C-U-R-R-A-N. This Not is, the Koran. Yes. This is a Grenache. Um, a Grenache Gris. Grenache Gris, if you're like me and you can't pronounce things. Um, from Santa Barbara County. So just like an hour north of LA where a lot of wines are made, where a lot of red wines um, and Chardonnays, heavy whites, mm-hmm. um, are made. And this is one of my favorites. I get it at Whole Foods, which has an excellent rosé mm-hmm. selection. So I know we all have feelings about Whole Foods and Bezos, but um, it's uh. great. It's a really nice drinking fall rosé. Mm-hmm. It's not heavy, but it's like, it's creamy. It is. It's nice and smooth. Um, so yeah, you know, and I don't really want to hear your feedback, but if you have questions about rosé, feel <laughs> free to hit me up. If you have feedback, hit Priscina up. <laughs> it's just, it's, I'm going to be honest. I promised myself when we started this project, I was going to be real. I know. I think I'm, that's But real. we're being open and honest and, you know. I'm not mean, for the record. We both aren't. I'm just honest. <laughs> And I like to spend time by myself with my cats and Same. my wine. I don't have cats. I have plants. You and have sometimes all the plants. Pristina. Oh, yeah. I have an indoor jungle. But we'll get there. We'll get there in another episode. So anyways, let us let you go. Um, this is exciting. We're excited. This is going to be a real it's one. It's going to be fun. Thank you for joining. And we will see you next time. Until next week, keep your glasses full and remember that racism is garbage trash (laughs) basura none of this would be possible without the support of our talented team big ups to our producers lana shea and kate bataille thank you so much and shout out to coda the friend for allowing us to use his music whoop 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 bye-bye